This is the Old Republic Podcast. Spoiler warning for the Knights of the Old Republic series, Star Wars, The Old Republic, and all other media. This is where the fun begins. Let's remind the Jedi what happens when the weak seek to match metal with the Dark Lords of the Sith. Sir, from the surviving officer's reports, Lord Revan has gone down with the ship. He's still alive. Hello, everyone. Uh, We are so excited to be talking about Attack of the Clones from a Hero's Journey perspective today. And we are lovingly, not just copying, we are cloning the Hero's Mm. Journey podcast And uh, we will take down these prequel episodes once they cover them themselves. So, yeah, (laughs) that's right. That's right. Yeah, I like I like that we are cloning them, you know, just like when you when you stumble onto Camino, the missing planet, and you find that there's a whole clone army, maybe you stumble onto the Old Republic podcast and find there's a whole clone uh, hero's journey episode uh, dedicated uh, to one one of the best movies around Attack of the Clones. Yeah. Um, so speaking of Attack of the Clones, uh, do you have any, like, cool background tidbits on the film, like box office or awards or anything? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Attack of the Clones was, uh, the second of the prequel trilogy. It was released in, uh, May the 16th, uh, 2002, uh, written and directed, of course, by, uh, George Lucas, and we're introduced to Hayden Christensen as playing our teenage, uh, version of Anakin Skywalker here. Um, now, this was written and directed uh, by George Lucas, but uh, George Lucas did apparently bring in uh, Jonathan Hales uh, to help kind of polish the script. Uh, mm-hmm. It's debatable uh, how much uh, effort to, and work uh, <laughs> Jonathan Hales did, um, but uh, but Jonathan had been doing some writing for the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, which kind of makes some sense because uh, Attack of the Clones definitely has more of this kind of um, kind of like teenage. Uh, angsty love story vibe to it so maybe that was in Jonathan Hale's wheelhouse um, as far as writing <laughs> goes and script writing goes I'm, I'm not 100% sure but uh, kind of a, a kind of a co-writer there uh, Attack of the Clones was nominated for one Academy Award for best visual effects but it did not yeah. win do you know what it uh, do you know what it lost to Cassia uh, was it Spider-Man 2 uh, no that was a very good guess but it lost to Lord of the Rings the two towers uh, rightfully oh, so duh. the Lord of the Ring the Lord <laughs> of the Rings films uh, very warranted uh, there so it did lose lose that one um, and it made 653 million dollars worldwide um, which is a really good return um, but it does make it it's the lowest grossing of the prequel films but uh, 653 million dollars is not too shabby um, they also of this Cassia made a 3d version it was supposed to be released in 2013 uh, but that was kind of right in that transition period of when uh, Disney purchased uh, Lucasfilm and they decided to shelve that. Um, I don't really know why since it was ready to go because they did show it at Celebration Europe that same year. Um, so I, I don't know. I think I think my, my tinfoil hat uh, theory is that 2013 was the same year that Frozen came out and I think that they didn't want any competition for Frozen. I think they wanted to see how high Frozen could go. <sighs> I just am so sad because... I would have seen that in theaters in 3D. Like, I think 3D could have only improved the love story, you know? So I'm sad uh, about that. 
That's right. We could all hate sand in the third dimension. Uh, that's that's where it would have been at for sure. Uh, no, but that Coruscant chase, that would have been amazing in 3D, I think. Uh, the Geonosis Arena would have been uh, pretty fun in 3D. Um, Yoda. The, the creatures there. Yoda flipping around in 3D. Yeah, Attack of the Clones was right for 3D. So uh, hopefully we'll get those again someday. I think they were all made, to be honest. I guess I'll find out when I do some research for uh, Revenge of the Sith. But maybe maybe we'll get to see those again at some point. It's hard to say. They could do a cute thing like for episode three, like episode three G, you Ooh. know, like that's yeah. a missed opportunity, you know. Um, yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So also the fun part about this podcast is like sometimes I'm like, hey, Brian, you should watch this documentary. Hey, Brian, you should watch this. You should watch this movie or like, hey, Brian you should read this article or like, Hey Brian, you should read this book. Like, I think I've made you read like mm -hmm. a lot of books. You should like count them sometimes, <laughs> but, um, that's right. So. I'll make a, I'll make a good reads of just, just books that I've had to read for the podcast. That's 21 true. books. Like, <laughs> um, but like why, why I bring that up is like, uh, cause I've made you read star Wars, the star Wars heresies, interpreting mm -hmm. the themes, symbols, and philosophies of episodes one, two and three by paul f mcdonald uh we've been i i had fun reading it maybe you're like uh this is like homework and not in a fun way but um <laughs> well yeah. i mean uh, on one hand it is like homework but it is in a fun way because it's about star wars and it's about the prequel trilogy uh, which is really fun to dissect on kind of a an analytical level you know which is what we're doing here with our our hero's journey uh kind of episodes and about our uh, heresies episodes so this book has been great to read and uh, great to discuss and um, you should by the time you're listening to this we should already have the heresies uh, episode out about the phantom menace so look for one of those coming for attack of the clones next yeah and if anyone knows how to get a hold of the author uh, we'd love to have him on the podcast if he wants to and uh, looking forward to uh, our I guess not heresies episodes, maybe like palette episodes for mm -hmm. the original trilogy. I was kind of like looking for a book that was kind of like a little bit different just for contrast because the original trilogy has been covered a lot. Um, mm -hmm. So there's kind of a more recent book called The Story Palette, uh, The Structure of Star Wars, The Original Trilogy, a scene-by-scene -scene approach by Daniel N. Blair. Um, so it's a little bit, it's it's almost too easy to read. Um, it's kind of a different book than the Heresies for sure. But uh, when we we cover the original trilogy, I think that's the way we'll go. Um, and we're still looking for a good uh, sequel trilogy book. So yeah, yeah, definitely. If you uh, if you have any good books in mind or things that you think we'd be interested in, uh, definitely let us know either on you know social medias or Discord or you know comment on the video uh, down here because we'd we'd like to see it. We like uh, looking into these stories and like I said, breaking them down a little bit more uh, analytically and a little bit more thoughtfully. So if you have some good resources, uh, we would love to hear it. Yeah, and then not only are we a Star Wars podcast, we are we're mostly known for like being a Kotor Star Wars podcast. Um, so. How does Attack of the Clones link to KOTOR? What links did you see? Um, so 
again, same with the Phantom Menace. I didn't see a ton of links here between uh, between the two. Um, kind of kind of the big one, I think, is right at the end when you have all of the Jedi battling, um, you know, in that Geonosis arena. It's it's kind of like this glimpse of, you know, the Jedi all coming together as, um, you know, this, this group of the Jedi Order coming together to fight. And that's something we kind of see, you know, themes of and instances of in... Uh, Knights of the Old Republic and kind of that Old Republic uh, timeline. Um, the other, the other kind of more real world link is these uh, uh, Kotor released just the the following year after Attack of the Clones. So definitely kind of some some ties there in the storytelling. I think took some, you know, kind of some lessons from the story that George Lucas was telling in telling, you know, the the Bioware story of uh, Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah, for sure. Um... I, I did miss one for a link uh, to KOTOR in our Phantom Menace episode. Double-bladed lightsabers. Um, um, there you go. Those were in the KOTOR games, and they uh, first had their appearance, I think, uh, Exar Kun wielded one. It was a double-bladed blue lightsaber. Um, so uh, that's, a, that's a cool link to KOTOR, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And then you you did mention Attack of the Clones was the last film released before Kotor one and two, um, so that was kind of uh, on the mind. And I kind of noticed that like with Bastila in Kotor one, you kind of don't know if she's a knight or a Padawan, and Attack of the Clones is kind of what clarified like the different steps of like a Jedi apprenticeship. You know, mm-hmm. like the steps to becoming like a knight and a master. Um, so she's kind of given a lot of freedom. Uh, so some people think she's a knight, but in my heart of hearts, she's a Padawan, kind of kept under the control of the Jedi um, Council. But I mean, there's it's not said one way or another. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and we we get to examine more of the the Jedi Council kind of piece of Star Wars within Attack of the Clones and that, you know, kind of translates into the story that is being told in Knights of the Old Republic too, kind of the way that the the council operates and, you know, how they're seated and how they kind of interact with, you know, the the Republic government of Star Wars and things like that. Yeah. And originally what became the Starforge was originally going to be a cloning station. Uh, so Lucasfilm was like, that might kind of interfere with episode two. So the Star Forge was changed to like a super factory. Um, and then Revan and Bastila's romance arc kind of seems like it was kind of inspired by Anakin and Padme. It's kind of like, it's forbidden, we can't be together. And like some of the, I like the overall beats of the rela- of the relationship, but like uh, some of like, the actual like dialogue and writing i'm like oh this is a fun first draft or like never see the light of day kind of draft you know like that was written but yeah um i did kind of see uh michael and the exile was kind of based upon uh anakin and padme's relationship too so Mm -hmm. uh that's what i noticed yeah definitely definitely some uh some parallels there between the the love stories and um you know kind of the the way that one side of the love story is more kind of you know buying into the you know kind of kind of the rules and 
the way that you know their position works right and kind of you know pushing back against the the love story but you know ultimately ultimately love wins out and that's what we're going to uh see play through to fruition here in attack of the clones yeah so uh hero's journey is um uh kind of something that uh, was kind of formulated uh kind of named uh the steps were named like in the the heroes of thousand faces by joseph campbell and then uh we're kind of uh utilizing christopher vogler's stages of the hero's journey from the writer's journey and where act one begins is the ordinary world where we get to see the hero in their everyday lives um so where did you kind of see um that in attack of the clones so yeah so i think that for me the ordinary world here is basically basically the title crawl and then we're getting um, pretty much directly into the initiating events you know attack of the clones being kind of the the middle chapter of this story that's that's really laid out as a trilogy of films you know it's not the same as like empire strikes back right which you know was kind of a thing that happened after Star Wars A New Hope, right? It, it got to be kind of its own thing. Attack of the Clones was always meant to be kind of this middle chapter, so I actually don't see a lot of everyday life in this. Um, like I said, we get to see kind of the title crawl. We see the ship with, uh, you know, uh, Padme and crew flying down into Coruscant, and uh, then there's there's the explosion there on the ship, right? The um, the assassination attempt, and we go into, you know, Palpatine's office, and they're, they're talking about that where you know he's suggesting that Obi-Wan takes the assignment of uh protecting uh Queen Amidala but I really I don't think um kind of the the hero of the story and in which I really think there are two I don't think we really actually see them kind of in their everyday life so to speak I guess you could make the argument that protecting uh Padme is uh is kind of their everyday life um at least up through to the first um, or to kind of that that next assassination attempt with Sam Wessel, but yeah, I think I think really for me, I think it's basically just the crawl, and then we're we're into the uh, call to adventure. But what about you? Yeah, so you're probably gonna hear me. I took many notes, so um, you're probably gonna hear like uh, a lot of like paper uh, noises uh, and stuff in this episode. But I wrote down the opening crawl. And Coruscant pre-assassination attempt. So we have like 10 seconds of the ordinary world. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Not very, not very long. Like I said, it is, it is running right through uh, kind of the everyday life because um, like I said, it was, it was set up as a sequel, right? We've already seen kind of the, the ordinary life in the, in the first film. But if you're just looking at it, you know, at the lens of, you know, the, the writer's journey um, in this film, Attack of the Clones is a standalone thing. Yeah. Just, just the title crawl for me. Yeah. So. The title crawl feels very kind of pre-Civil War, like even the CIS, uh, Confederacy of Independent Systems, kind of makes you kind of think of, you know, like the American Confederacy or whatever it was, you know, but um, yeah, so we have the title crawl and then um, the call to adventure is the initiating incident of the story. And I saw that as the first assassination attempt, like, where Corday dies, and it just brings to mind, like, how it should have ended, where it's like, Corday's like, I failed you, Senator. And it's like, mm -hmm. actually, you did exactly what you're supposed <laughs> to do. 
<laughs> right. Yeah. And then everyone just leaves the uh, the little uh, landing pad and just leaves her there. I was like, ah, oh, come on. Come on, you guys. Um, but uh, yeah, that's definitely uh, the call to adventure kind of in, in my eyes, too. But I actually see it kind of as, as twofold. So um, that's kind of the call to adventure. But we don't really... Um, kind of initiates Obi-Wan and Anakin um, into the call for adventure from that. So that explosion happens, and then Palpatine, you know, quote-unquote suggests Obi-Wan to take the assignment of uh, guarding uh, Padme, right, as being kind of the, the bodyguard figure here because he wants to get, uh, you know, Anakin and uh, Padme together, yeah, presumably. Um, so so basically the call to adventure I see is kind of, kind of that happening, you know, behind the scenes. But then yeah. for the heroes of this story, um, I think it's the second kind of assassination attempt um, by Zam Wessel with those uh, creepy little worms that come in through the window and they have to to go and save her. So I think that that kind of both of the assassination attempts are the the calls to adventure. Just one happens kind of, you know, in the in the blind spots of our heroes and then one is happening uh, more directly to them. Yeah, it is kind of a long call to adventure. Um, I guess I was just going to like when it started. So uh, mm-hmm. that's a good point. But yeah, the Jedi Council meets with Chancellor Palpatine and uh, we kind of get the sense that there's not enough Jedi and there's a very important vote coming up. And Padme says, I think Count Dooku is behind it. And this is one thing I think the Phantom Menace could have done better. Like, I think Count Dooku should have been in or at least mentioned in the Phantom Menace. Yeah, for sure, because um, you know, he, he kind of comes out of nowhere as this big bad um, sort of character, and I don't think that he would have really interfered if you wanted to have still Darth Maul. So yeah, I, I can agree with that, that he needed a little bit more uh, screen time to you know, kind of flesh out that character and the motivations uh, behind him. We get a little bit of that later in the in the story, you know, in talking to, to Obi-Wan when he's captured, but I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. But I, I think a little bit more background on this because, you know, when she name drops him, and I think is it uh, Mace Windu, I think, who says, you know, he used to be a Jedi. That's, that's really all of the information we have about Count Dooku throughout the film until, you know, later there on Geonosis. Yeah, so then Palpatine... I kind of get the feeling that Palpatine and Anakin talk a lot uh, and like probably Anakin like subtly not really subtle is like yeah I kind of I really admire and think that uh, you know uh, Senator Amidala is really cool so I think do you kind of think like uh, Palpatine chose those two Jedi on purpose to uh, defend Padme? Um, I do think that, and I think, um, I think because, you know, Palpatine knows that Anakin is all, you know, torn up about, you know, leaving his mother behind and, uh, losing that, and he's looking for some sort of kind of loving relationship, um, from someone, and I think that he sees her as a potential for that, um, you know, it almost kind of backfires because I think she is kind of the big, you know, barrier to, you know, his call to adventure here, but I think that he's definitely you know, kind of putting them in the room together, I guess, so to speak, to see what happens, I guess. It's so interesting. Like, uh, just Palpatine, man. Uh, Just interfering and overextending, I think. I I mean, I mean, in fairness, the first time, uh, you know, Padme and Anakin are reunited there, you know, Padme says, you know, you've grown and Anakin's just like, you've grown too, more beautiful. Uh, boom. You know, he's just, uh, he's, you know, he's pulling out all the stops straight away. So I think, I think maybe, 
I think maybe Palpatine probably probably knew where uh, Anakin's heart lied. I, I don't think he was uh, really trying to uh, hide his feelings so much. So, yeah, um, some of that uh, just like it's like, whoa, Anakin, you, you can chill a little bit, but like sometimes I just like just like the embarrassment just cocoons me, like secondhand embarrassment, and I'm just like, well. I don't think, like, I've messed up that bad, like, or if I have, like, not as much, you know, <laughs> but, yeah. but, yeah, so, yeah, I think we introduced Anakin and Obi-Wan so well, we kind of see them in the elevator, we get the feeling that Anakin kind of sees his master Obi-Wan kind of like a father, but uh, he's kind of like a stern father, and uh, they kind of get... I think Obi-Wan kind of wants to keep things more, like, brotherly through, like, Qui-Gon, you know, but what do you mm -hmm. think? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you get that, that really good kind of interaction there a couple of times, you know, and um, Anakin, you know, is saying, you know, that you're the closest thing I have to a father and, and stuff like that. But you don't ever really get the feeling that Obi-Wan, you know, is kind of on that same emotional level. Like, he's always, you know, kind of viewing Anakin as a as a brother and obviously you get to that in, in revenge of the sith which we'll talk about so i don't want to get you know far ahead into that but um yeah i think he's really anakin is just desperate to find somewhere to put this kind of kind of love and you know familial love at someone right he's he's left his his mother he doesn't have anyone qui-gon was you know struck down so here we are at the beginning of attack of the clones and you see him uh kind of kind of lashing out you know with that love towards you know, towards Obi-Wan and, and lashing out that love towards uh, Padme, you know, just, you know, desperate for someone to, to kind of accept that and, you know, take it in. And I think that's kind of the crux of, you know, Anakin's journey in the second story is is really just finding somewhere to place that love. Yeah, that's a really good point. And we've kind of talked a bit about the Star Wars Ring Theory on the podcast and Attack of the Clones mirrors uh, with Empire Strikes Back probably the strongest for me. Um, and it's just so interesting to me. Um, Luke and Anakin go on very similar journeys with very different outcomes because I think they just have different personalities. And I think like Luke has more friends and mentors and a support system. And Anakin is kind of just like, Here's Obi-Wan, he's like your dad. And then Palpatine's <laughs> like, I'm here too. I'm totally helping you out, don't worry. Um, but how it also kind of mirrors with Empire Strikes Back is you kind of have the characters all together, they get separated, and then they come back together. And at the mm -hmm. beginning, we're kind of just seeing them all get back together um, so they can separate. But um, yeah, so... Anakin and Obi-Wan are brought in, you know, to defend them. And the secondhand embarrassment that I, I feel, like, just awkwardness, like, where, when they're all in the couch, like, in Padme's, like, little apartment. Well, I guess it's not little. It's, like, a huge apartment. Like, wow, good for you, Padme. But Anakin <laughs> overextends, and Obi-Wan is kind of a mismatched, kind of, like, dad master, I guess, that's maybe a little weird and Padme just has to sit there and ever and every else just kind of has to sit there and it's like Anakin and Obi-Wan are kind of arguing I think Anakin's trying to like 
kind of show like we're gonna totally find out who who did this but yeah right yeah Yeah, he's he's trying to present himself as this you know kind of grown-up you know man sort of you know in sort of a sense um whereas you have you know padme you have jar jar come in you know calling him annie you know kind of that more childlike nickname um and it's it's really you can kind of see that that's putting anakin kind of at you know making him a little bit uneasy because he's really trying to prove himself as you know some sort of worthy i guess love interest for padme um in a sense he doesn't want to be viewed as that little kid and um kind of here at the at the front of the story i think that that's that's very awkward and that kind of is going to lead into um you know kind of that that next step you know the refusal of the call i see is is kind of getting getting through that but i have some more uh kind of specific things but yeah it's it's really just kind of a an an, il- an illustration i guess of you know, kind of this awkward uh, time in, in Anakin's life as he's uh, looking for love. Yeah. Um, and Django and Zam, they're not looking for love. They're looking to kill someone. And that's a really good transition, I think. But <laughs> how they're right. going to, how they're going to, uh, not a love bug. They're sending bugs like with poison to kill people. Uh <laughs> That's yeah right. yeah that was that was a good transition just like zam can uh can you know be all sorts of things right as a, oh. as a changeling see see boom yeah. yeah they have the they have those weird little worms i r2 is there uh sleeping on the job i guess he's supposed to be guarding uh pat may you know he's set up he's set to raise an alarm if anything happens but those little worms get in there but luckily you know anakin and obi-wan sense that there is danger and that sets off kind of this first little fun um action sequence of the of the film this cha- the speeder chase through uh coruscant yeah and so yeah, for um, refusal of the call, um, I kind of put Anakin and Obi Wan don't learn who hired Zam, and mm-hmm. maybe that's kind of getting ahead of things. But yeah, the Coruscant uh, in Attack of the Clones, uh, they have a chase, and maybe this is one aspect of the CGI's of the CGI in the prequels that I think aged the poorest, but it's it's still okay, you know. Um, <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's 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 pretty good it's pretty good it uh yeah it probably aged the the poorest of the three um i would think if you look at any of the behind the scenes it's literally just them running around on a green floor with green backgrounds so all of this stuff was added in you know kind of after the fact and uh it, it tells a little bit but i think that the coruscant stuff still looks really great and obviously kind of the character design of uh zam wessel and the costuming and uh kind of everyone there at the that little like nightclub bar kind of thing and the different um, you know, different uh, creatures and effects and stuff going on. I think that that stuff is real, really pretty good. Now, as far as the refusal of the call, uh, which is step three, the hero experiences some hesitation to answer the call. Um, so I actually, I for myself, Cassie, I kind of broke this down into um, Anakin's story and Obi-Wan's story because I yeah. think that they, I think on one hand they go on um kind of this kind of the same journey because it actually comes back in and it ends together as they're reunited towards the end of the film um but i i think for me and i'm interested to see what what you think as i was going through this i'm like you can make the argument that obi-wan is the main character but i i think for me um anakin is the main character here in this story because he's the one that sees the most kind of character growth and change throughout obi-wan kind of starts and ends basically on the the same level as he was at the beginning of this although they do go on very very kind of mirror uh images of journeys throughout this film with literally kind of the stages of those journey or of the journey happening to both of the characters basically at the same time yeah i kind of saw the first three steps uh 
Anakin and Obi-Wan kind of together, and then they kind of separate. Um, and then when they're reunited later in the Coliseum, their journeys kind of go back together. So yeah 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 so so i had um so zam wessel you know dying from that saber dart that uh jango shoots her with i had that as my refusal of the call for obi-wan story um because that's going to set him off on to um you know his journey to camino i had the refusal of the call for anakin is uh padme actually being reluctant to go back to naboo with him saying you know she doesn't want to run she doesn't want to you know hide from these would-be assassins and things like that and then you have that uh, kind of very pointed line as they're you know preparing to leave and anakin's uh you know giving her the googly eyes uh, kind of thing and she just says you know don't look at me like that it makes me uncomfortable i think that that is a, a refusal of the the call there um you know so a refusal from you know an external you know refusal of the call from from padme because i think anakin's journey here is to basically fall in love uh, with padme so i think that that's kind of a some external uh, refusal i kind of wonder if uh i don't know like palpatine we don't really see it on screen, but I kind of wonder if he's kind of like, you should, uh, I don't know, see if, like, she's interested <laughs> or, I don't know, that that would be weird, but. Um, word, word on the uh, the Senate streets is that uh, Padme has single. a keen eye for you. Yeah, that's right. She's single, <laughs> single and ready to mingle, Anakin. You better uh, get in that. Don't, don't play it cool. Just go, you know, all out. That's girls like that. <laughs> yeah, like 25% of this episode might just be me laughing but um <laughs> i still love it you know like it's the, it's probably the star wars film i've seen the most just like because of like how old i was so um but yeah so i kind of saw the meeting with the mentor and that is the hero gains the supplies knowledge and confidence needed to commence the adventure i think anakin has confidence um <laughs> and uh i kind of saw like this is where the separation is. Like, Anakin, you see him with Palpatine. And Palpatine's mm. kind of just filling him uh, with ego. And uh, Anakin, um, he's kind of turned into, like, an Achilles in the Iliad. I say that a lot. Um, uh, but for me, I think that's true. Like, Palpatine and Anakin, that dynamic is not great. Qui-Gon's gone. That's really sad. So... It shows mm -hmm. where his arrogance is coming from. Um, and uh, then we kind of see uh, um, Obi-Wan kind of talk to Yoda and Mace Windu. And uh, we get to see that uh, dynamic. We kind of like Kenobi is like, uh, Anakin's unready. And he's, uh, you know, kind of like, he has an ego, and then Yoda, I think, kind of, like, to Obi-Wan's face without Obi-Wan realizing it. And it's like, yeah, like, some of even the wiser and more experienced ones are kind of like that, too. So, mm -hmm. some nice Yoda shade there, I think. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Yeah, you uh, you pretty much nailed what I had here for the meaning of the mentor, which is, you know, the hero gains, the supplies, knowledge, and confidence needed to commence the adventure. So, yeah, Anakin meets with Palpatine, and Palpatine is basically like, Anakin, you know, these these Jedi, they don't know how good you are. I know how good you are. Uh, just go and go and prove it, right? It gives them all this kind of 
false confidence and, you know, that he has all these capabilities that maybe he doesn't have, you know, uh, Palpatine knows he can kind of fly off the handle at any moment and he's kind of planting those seeds there. Um, yeah. Anakin also meets with Obi-Wan just really you. briefly, um, kind of on that transport. They don't really have much of an interaction other than Obi-Wan tells him, you know, may the force be with you, you know, before they get sent on, sent on the way. So that's an actual meeting with his actual mentor, but it uh, doesn't really gleam a lot from that. Um, on the flip side of that, you had Obi-Wan, uh, you know, nailed it there, you know, talking to, to Yoda and the, and the younglings there trying to find the missing planet. But I also had Dex as a mentor here uh, for Obi-Wan, um, you know, is able to, you know, give them the knowledge of where that uh, Kamino dart came from and, you know, that they're cloners and uh, stuff like that. So I had Dex as a mentor for Obi-Wan here in this section as well. Oh, that's good. That's that's a good thing. Um, I guess I kind of missed that, um, but Dex does kind of um, help Obi-Wan get to Kamino so maybe yeah I might like put Obi-Wan and Dex too so that that's a good point you brought up but then we kind of get to the crossing of the first threshold and uh I kind of put like Anakin and Padme going to Naboo Obi-Wan kind of getting on his journey to figure out like what Kamino is uh where he needs to go and uh kind of going to Camino. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had the uh, the same exact ones here. So crossing the first threshold, the hero commits wholeheartedly to the adventure. Yeah, I said uh, for Anakin, it was, you know, getting onto the transport ship uh, with Padme to travel to Naboo. And they're finally able to to kind of spend some time, you know, just, just the two of them. I've uh, not seen mm-hmm. them really alone um, so far in the film. So that was kind of the first threshold for Anakin um, in this love story section, right, was to basically get himself in front of uh, Padme you know, alone so he could, you know, dazzle her with his uh, sweet, smooth lines and things like that. And then, you know, Obi-Wan is, uh, you know, getting to Kamino to, you know, finding this missing planet that, uh, as it were. So, yeah, definitely the, the first threshold there for our two heroes. Yeah. And kind of like at the end of Act One, um, it kind of seems like where the Phantom Menace was kind of a little bit more of a hero's journey uh, adventure, you, you know, Um Episode 2 is kind of more of a genre film. It's kind of like a detective noir film. Mm-hmm. So uh, we kind of see Obi-Wan investigating, and then we kind of see, like, the relationship side uh, with uh, Anakin and Padme. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Anakin, you know, makes it to Naboo, and they have kind of their, uh, you know, their time together in the uh, late country of Naboo, which looks very... Uh, lovely have obi-wan makes it to camino and we're seeing this you know kind of watery stormy world with all this you know clean you know white lines we're seeing the cloning facility we're meeting the kaminoans and and stuff like that so really they're kind of uh definitely very separate at this point right you know obi-wan is in this dark dreary place so and anakin is in this and this bright um you know very kind of colorful and you know soft edges and things so they're kind of one you know polar opposites of of places um in their worlds and on their journeys i guess yeah i did kind of see obi-wan like crossing the first threshold like kind of dex's diner um you kind of like see him kind of he learned a little bit from qui-gon you know uh and talking to dex like you kind of would be like does this person can we trust him would he know stuff but Kind of brings to mind a quote that I don't really know the source of, but every person that you meet knows something you don't learn from them, 
you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think maybe you could even, you know, quite literally see um, Obi-Wan's crossing the first threshold as, you know, him walking through the door um, into the Camino facility. Um, you know, I think it's just kind of as as pointed as that uh, for him, for sure. Yeah, and uh, I like how Dex, uh, too, um, kind of points out the difference between knowledge uh, versus wisdom. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot that the Jedi have kind of just kind of forgotten. Um, when you kind of go to the Jedi archives that are inspired uh, by the Trinity College Library in Dublin, Ireland, um, uh, the librarian, uh, Joe Castanew, says, if an item does not appear in our records, it does not exist. And it's like, that's a little, um, I don't know, that's assuming a whole lot, you know? And mm-hmm. uh, it kind of just kind of shows the pride of the Jedi. Like, pride comes before it fall, you know? So... Right. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of uh, real world parallels there too, right? I mean, as as far as you know, learning and what's uh, what's available and in, in your library, right? Is that all of the knowledge? Does that mean that's all that's that's happened, or is that you know from a certain point of view? So uh, definitely some real world parallels there to uh, Jocasta New and and kind of that uh, yeah that Jedi hubris that we learn about later on in the in the saga for sure. But um, I do kind of like I I really like that interaction with with Yoda and the the younglings there, where he just kind of kind of lays it out, right? You know. To, to be logical you know just because something you know doesn't exist in a book in the library doesn't mean that you know your, your logic can't help you find this uh, missing planet obi-wan yeah there's a difference between intelligence emotional intelligence and street smarts and wisdom and i kind of had a little bit of yoda and the younglings like as a mentor moment too for mm-hmm. obi-wan um because it's like from the mouth of children, from the mouths of children, you know, like the truth comes and it's like, oh, wow, maybe someone deleted it from the library, you know, like who would have thought, <laughs> but <laughs> that's right. Yeah. But they literally have a star map and I'm like, cool, this makes KOTOR canon. So, um, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That was our, that was our actual tie to KOTOR. We completely missed that. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we kind of see, uh, Anakin and Padme's like love story kind of begin you know and I actually think there's a great quote that Anakin says and maybe if he would have just like maybe cooled his jets a bit and kind of just say more things like attachment is forbidden possession is forbidden compassion which I would define as unconditional love is central to a Jedi's life like that's a good definition it's kind of like agape which is a Greek word that kind of means charity, you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, so yeah. Um, what do you think of their love story? Yeah, I think it's, um, I think, I think it's a very sort of this kind of more traditional, like courting type of a thing. Um, you have, you know, Anakin as basically playing the, the bodyguard role for uh, Padme, which, you know, puts them, uh, together uh, quite a lot and they're going to kind of to her home and to you know the the lake country of Naboo you know a place where she's grown up and can feel very uh, safe and very comfortable and you know very familiar with the surroundings and you know at that point he's getting to see her kind of in her you know her natural um, you know like like safe space right this is this is her home this is where she's from and he's getting to see her kind of kind of 
thrive and and flourish in this we we've seen Padme you know several times in a lot of you know different costumes and things like that and there's a lot of um you know kind of stark colors right like whites and blacks and reds and things like yeah. that and then you get into lake country and she's wearing kind of this more like softer like flowing uh, i don't know it's like yellow i think kind of dress with her with her hair up and stuff like that so i think that um for her it's it's a time for her to kind of be vulnerable and open up to anakin in the way that he's been uh hoping would happen you know kind of yeah. kind of throughout this thing right to not see her as a senator but as you know more of kind of this uh quote-unquote like you know <laughs> real life person that he can have uh, some sort of relationship with um so that's that's kind of how i see um kind of that that courtship uh going here through this section and they're able to to spend more time together and uh you know kind of kind of see you know that other side of of each other right you know anakin has that line that you just that you just gave which is a very mature line uh for you know someone that's you know anakin's age you know the kind of this yeah. teenager who's been clumsily been like you know uh I, you're you're <laughs> you're beautiful and i'm gonna look at you weird and and all this <laughs> stuff you know to have kind of to have kind of you know something with a little bit more depth to himself i think padme sees that and can kind of latch on to it as okay maybe he's not just this this little kid from from tatooine maybe he does have something to offer uh intellectually uh to me which i would assume is something that padme is interested in so yeah so their love story is kind of like falls under Tess allies and enemies, uh, which is the hero explores the special world, faces trial and makes friends and enemies. Um, Anakin's uh, step in this is kind of like love and dreams in Naboo and Obi-Wan. I'm kind of just like, come no. Um, <laughs> yeah, but um, they, they land on Naboo, Anakin and Padme, and there's a Lawrence of Arabia-esque shot, so that automatically makes Attack mm. of the Clones, you know, five stars. Uh, That's right. And if you are going to fall in love, like, fall in love in the lake country of Italy, uh, Lake Como. Um, it, it was also used uh, in Casino Royale, you know, so... That's right. Yeah, it is a uh, beautiful place of the real world. It's a beautiful place of the uh, Star Wars world. And yeah, we're getting into that uh, step six, the test allies and enemies. Uh, the hero explores the special world, faces trial, and makes friends and enemies. And yeah, that's uh, that's what we got going on here, I think. Yeah. And then Kenobi, it's like he ends up finding Kamino and he gets there and he's like, I'm expected. And you're kind of like, I'm expected by these kind of like I haven't seen strange encounters of a third kind, but uh, does the Kaminoans kind of look like those aliens? Um, kind of. I think the the face is more of that classic kind of kind of alien face, right? With that kind of like yeah, like ovally head with the big eyes. So they look more classically alien, which would make sense, right? Because this is a this is an unknown uh, planet. This is an unknown you know, race of creatures and things like that. So, you know, to Obi-Wan, these are a very, you know, kind of alien, you know, sort of, sort of people, right? You know, in the Star Wars world, you're used to dealing with, you know, aliens and, you know, people from, you know, all corners of the galaxy, but this is the first time we're ever seeing them. It's the first time, you know, Obi-Wan is ever seeing them. So I think that they purposefully were designed to look a little bit more kind of that classic uh, alien uh, sort yeah. of sense. Um, and, yeah, I think um, you kind of nailed it here. So um, 
as far as uh, Obi-Wan goes, right, he finds his missing planet. That was kind of the kind of the test. Um, as far as his allies go, I think that, you know, seeing the clone army, I think that the clone army is meant to represent kind of his allies in this section. And then obviously, uh, you know, Jango Fett is the uh, enemy here of uh, stage six. I... I always kind of had like this uneasy feeling on Camino. It's like, are these aliens going to eat him? Are they going to kill him? Like, are they, are they bad? Like it's kind of revealed, like, uh, I guess they're kind of neutral, but like kind of the, the system, like kind of controlled by Palpatine, you know, is bad, but yeah, they kind of mentioned sifo and like Obi-Wan's like, uh, he dead, you know? Uh, Originally in the script, um, Sifo-Dyas was going to be Sido-Dyas, like Sidious, but mm. it was changed into Sifo-Dyas, who was a friend of Count Dooku, who was manipulated into making a clone army. There's an SNL skit on that, so <laughs> it's not clear in the prequel trilogy, but uh, they wanted to just focus on Anakin's story and fall in yeah. Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, it's not uh, it's not particularly clear in this story, and it's only barely particularly clear uh, now uh, how that came to be. But but yeah, absolutely, it's you know kind of this uh, this commission clone army from you know a friend of uh, Count Dooku there, Sifo DS, who we don't uh, really learn much else about. But that's kind of where I see um, Obi Wan's you know stage six test allies and enemies as far as anakin goes um i think that anakin's kind of test in this section the lake country of naboo is really having these visions and dreams of his mother um i think padme at this point is becoming his ally as she's starting to uh you know fall uh you know fall under the the seductive <laughs> spell that anakin has been uh casting uh throughout <laughs> this thing um yeah. i think you can make i think you can make the argument that the tuscan raiders are the enemies here at this as they you know travel then together to um tatooine but i th- i think really kind of the the enemy here for anakin is is really himself in the way that he's dealing uh he kind of emotionally uh, with this turmoil that's inside of him, so I don't, I don't really see the Tuscan Raiders um, as the enemies, even though they had, you know, captured his mother and you know causes him to go and you know take out that entire village. I think, I think that the real enemy here in this section for Anakin is is himself as he's coming to grips with, you know, what he's done, what he's capable of doing, and uh, why that is, why that's bad, and why he shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. Do you know what I just realized? What is that? So at the end of Act 1, we're supposed to, we were so under the spell <laughs> of Attack of the Clones, we forgot to have our coffee caffeine break. So Uh-oh. should we just uh, kind of go back into um, Dex's diner and get some brown liquid with caffeine in it? Absolutely, we should. We just love Attack of the Clones so much that we kind of just dove in like with all of our hearts uh, to right. discuss it, you know, but that's right. We went, we went headfirst into, into attack of the clones. Just why, just like Anakin went headfirst into how much he loved uh, Padme right from the start. Yeah. So it was, it was really kind of like a planned thing, but um, so Brian, uh, what have you been watching, reading, playing or, or doing in your downtime? Yeah, so I've been uh, doing a little bit of stuff. I've uh, I'm a little bit behind on some of my TV series, but I did uh, finish two. So I got through uh, the season or the series finales for Succession and Ted Lasso. They were both excellent. Um, highly recommend. The finale for Ted Lasso was uh, pretty much perfect. I really liked the conclusion to Succession. That was really well done as well. So definitely give both of those watch. 
a watch. Um, I've been hitting up some concerts lately. I've uh, uh, made it up to Ohio for a, a concert festival and got to see a bunch of bands. And then I was just in Chicago to see the Yeah Yeah Yeahs, uh, which is one of my yeah. favorite bands. Um, it was kind of a it was kind of a bucket list concert for for me to see them. And they went on tour. We had some friends in Chicago uh, area, so we're like, let's go up. We'll see them. We'll see some friends. It'll be a good time. So uh, I was just up in Chicago and then uh, been out to the movie theater a couple times. Went and saw the Little Mermaid live action remake. It was really good. Um, and getting ready to go see a Across the Spider-Verse uh, tomorrow. So that's what I'm going to be doing in my downtime uh, tomorrow. But uh, what have you been getting up to, uh, Cassia? You been watching anything good or reading anything good? Uh, yeah, so I'm just uh, opening up my letterbox. Um, I recently saw Across the Spider-Verse and just like at the end of it, like I was kind of like, am I going to be okay driving afterwards? Because like wow. I was just so like, I don't know, like, stimulated it was so amazing i'm like i'm gonna be distracted like thinking about this you know so like i kind of just uh talked with my friend afterward for a bit uh and it was just such a good movie and we talked with uh schrader about into the spider-verse if things work out maybe we'll be able to talk to him again but like he's a busy you know uh sony animator but uh i'm so excited for you to see across the spider-verse um and also later today, I'm going to see The Little Mermaid for the second time, the remake. Oh, like, nice. I like it, and uh, some family just wanted to see it, so I'm seeing it again. But uh, maybe by the time this episode comes out, uh, Dial of Destiny, Indiana Jones 5 will have come out. Come out. Uh, mm -hmm. So um, I've started my rewatch. Um so I've watched Raiders of the Lost Ark and Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. And guess what? I'm already halfway done with Indiana Jones. Uh, it's kind of nice after doing James Bond. <laughs> and it's like to get to the halfway point, you have to watch 12 films, you know. But uh, right, yeah. yeah, I can kind of see how I can see some similarities uh, with James Bond and uh, Indiana Jones. And I also watched some of the like Secret of the Incas, like I mentioned, and Treasure of the Sierra Madre, um, which is a well-made film, but I kind of found it a little boring. Uh, those influenced Raiders of the Lost Ark, and then Gunga Din influenced Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, and I don't know, just Indiana Jones is fun. Um, and then I I did read the poem uh, Gunga Din by Rudyard Kipling, um, which I think if you're a British person, you'll get a whole lot more out of it. But like a lot of it went over my head. But um, I finished uh, Dan Flores's uh, Wild New America, the epic story mm. of animals and people in America. Uh, it had a mammoth on the cover. So like that's probably 100% why <laughs> uh, I ended up getting that audiobook. And um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and two years ago, I listened to Austin Kleon's, like, creativity trilogy, like, steal like an artist, show your work, keep going. Um, the first time I listened to it, like, I was not in a good place in my life, but uh, it, was a, it was a good trilogy, and kind of re-listening to it now, I'm kind of like, oh, things are a little bit better now, and uh, it's easier to create, and I, I still got stuff out of it. 
Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's always good to have a good outlet for your uh, creativity. And yeah, I've seen you know just on the on the Discord and you know following along what you've been you know kind of reading and and watching. It seems like you're tapping into a lot of uh, good creative outlets, which is which is pretty great. And yeah. I'm getting ready to start uh, to finish up, I guess, my Indiana Jones rewatch. I watched uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark and the Temple of Doom not too long ago, so I'm probably going to pick up and watch uh, Last Crusade and uh, yeah the crystal skull here uh sometime probably this week and getting ready for dial of destiny so definitely looking forward to that i'm gonna have to take a look at my calendar and see when i'm gonna be able to to get out to see that one because it's coming out that uh fourth of july weekend so gotta see what the see what the schedule looks like but uh definitely very excited to to get out and see that too yeah so maybe i will take my my mexican coca-cola uh that i put coconut creamer in one of these days, Ooh. I'll have to force you to try it, but um, maybe I'll get a to-go container from Dex's Diner, and we can go back to the rainy planet of Camino. Are you ready for that? <laughs> I am. I am ready for it. Yeah, get this. Uh, get our pie, you know, boxed up and ready to go, Dex. We are we are on our way back out to continue our journey. Yeah. So we kind of see Django and Boba Fett, and we're kind of like. That's the bounty hunter. He has this. He has a clone son, and the clone troopers are kind of looking like stormtroopers. And meanwhile, on Naboo, we have a picnic by a waterfall. Padme is giving off some mixed signals. She's like, "Oh, okay, I'll flirt with you. I'll kiss you, but like, no, <laughs> you know." And like, okay. Uh, and then there's that famous meme where Anakin. I think he's advocating for a dictatorship, so um, mm -hmm, not a mm -hmm. good look. But um, yeah, <laughs> that's right. He just he just kind of laughs it off, you know. No big deal. You know, <laughs> dictatorships are fine. They're fun to make light of, you know, when you're when you're courting your your would be love interest. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's what we have going on Naboo. There, there's yeah, there there's that very kind of intimate and romantic section where they're you know fireside and a kiss happens that you know maybe shouldn't have happened and padme goes so on to on to say as much but yeah the the signals are mixed but they are they are flowing like uh some sort of naboo wine or something i don't know yeah yeah like so they have a dinner and there's a pear and anakin like floats it in the air it's kind of like ooh, it's an apple obi-wan like who's skywalkers i guess like sky daddy kind of like god you know like it's kind of like they're Adam and Eve and Obi-Wan is like God, you know, like they're on Naboo, which is kind of like Eden-like, you know, mm -hmm. it's like maybe they shouldn't be doing this. But um, what's interesting is like when they're talking by the fire later, like there's a fire behind them. It kind of reminds me a bit like of Mustafar and maybe it's just me projecting more onto this scene, but mm -hmm. Lucas designed mm -hmm. her dress. It's dark. It's tight. Like, there's a choker on her neck and I'm kind of just like, did he kind of like, I don't know, maybe plan that? Like, so it's like, there's a fire behind her and it's like the choker, it's tight. Like she's kind of consumed by darkness, but mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's definitely some, some foreshadowing there with the, with the fire and yeah, kind of that, that, uh, that dark choker style dress that she's wearing and um you're kind of seeing seeing that you're seeing you know kind of anakin and it's you know kind of casting the light and the shadows that are coming up off of the off of the fire and yeah you make a really good kind of observation there with the with the pair um you know there in that 
in that section as well. I'm sure we'll have more of this to talk about when we get into kind of that quote unquote heresies part of Attack of the Clones, but you know, kind of that that biblical sense of you know Obi Wan would be very grumpy about this, you know, and kind of playing on that uh, Adam and Eve uh, sort of you know symbolism there. Yeah, so maybe that's like a failed test for Anakin. Um, he's like, okay, well, we'll not be in love, you know. Kind of the approach to the inmost cave, or innermost cave, um, that is the hero nears the center of the story and the special world. I kind of saw that as Obi-Wan kind of going to Geonosis next, and then kind of mirrored with, like, Anakin's, like, I need to find my mother. What did you see as that step? Okay, so I so I'd actually I'd seen uh, kind of the bit on uh, Tatooine as part of that test allies and enemies uh, section. So I actually had the innermost cave as being Geonosis for um, kind of both of our characters uh, here. So obviously Obi Wan's kind of journey leads him there as he's following you know Jango Fett off of uh, Kamino. Anakin goes to Geonosis basically to to follow Obi Wan. You know, so it's it's not necessarily a part of Anakin's story. But we had just gotten, uh, you know, kind of kind of the soft letdown, you know, from from Padme, right? They kind of yeah. agree to to not let this happen. They can't really let this let this happen. So, I think for me, I think really for both of the characters, I think the Geonosis is the innermost cave for both mm. of them, even though they kind of got there uh, through different means. That that is a good point. Because um, Anakin's not chaperoned. Um, he's gonna go save his mom. Padme ends up going with him, but if Anakin went solo, what do you think would have happened? Like, do you think, like, Anakin would have told her about the Tuscans? Um, I don't know. I, I think maybe, uh, because I, I think that he would have needed to have, you know, kind of let that off of his chest at some point. Um, you know, and stepping back from Attack of the Clones, we know that he must have told, um, Palpatine that at some point, but I, I feel like he he must have had reason to do that because um, even with her on tattooing, there wasn't any real reason that he would have had to have told her other than uh, felt the need to kind of confide in her, um, yeah. you know, which, you know, we talked on our, our kind of mental health journey <laughs> with, that we just had, um, you know, with uh, when Ian came on just a couple episodes back that, you know, maybe that was, uh, that should have been more of a red flag for Padme than it was, but um, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that he probably would have told her at some point because he really, you know, views her as, as this loving, you know, kind of, you know, put up on a pedestal kind of, you know, love interest, of course, but kind of this, uh, this motherly, um, figure, you know, that he holds in very high esteem. So I think that he would have felt compelled to confess that to her, um, whether she would have been there or not. Yeah, that is a good point. Um, but when Anakin is kind of telling um Padme on Naboo about his dreams and saying like I have to go there is a cool CGI cloudscape um where you kind of see like the clouds in balance like light and dark like it's kind of like a yin and yang I think I got that right but if not just let me know and I'll correct that but um I guess that's kind of a good point that like maybe Tatooine falls under step six test allies and enemies um it's just kind of hard when we kind of have two heroes and a uh, main character and like they're on different planets. Like, so that's a, that's a good point. Um, Jango and Obi-Wan kind of fight in the rain. Uh, and then Obi-Wan is trying to follow Jango uh, to the 
uh, to Geonosis and like kind of goes through that uh, um, asteroid field too. That's right. Yeah, you get the uh, the best sound in Star Wars, that sonic boom uh, that happens, and you get to see some some good uh, pilot dogfight kind of section there in the asteroid field, which is which is pretty fun. But yeah, eventually uh, Obi Wan ends up on Genosis and uh, sees that you know all the separatists are there. Sees that you know Count Dooku is there. Everyone is uh, kind of there, and some secret meetings are being held. But you know, ends up having to. Uh, send a message out to Anakin, who he learns is on Tatooine. Not supposed to be on Tatooine, Anakin. You're supposed to be in Naboo. Uh, so he doesn't know why he's there, uh, but basically sends the signal to him so he can relay it back to the Jedi Council. Um, you know, it didn't have good cell service on Geonosis there. So that is what lures um, Anakin to, like, as I said, I see is kind of the innermost cave for uh, Anakin as well as we get into kind of the crux of the story. But uh, that's what really reunites our heroes there is uh, they both uh, get to Geonosis. Yeah, I guess the asteroid chase uh, is a little bit like the magic flight. Like, we'll see that a little bit uh, in Empire Strikes Back as well. Um, mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, so Anakin and Padme are on Tatooine and... He goes to Watto, who tells him that uh, Klee Glars ended up falling in love with her uh, and freed her and married her. So they're off to the Lars homestead. But one thing I wonder, and I don't think it's ever been said, is like, did Shami and Klee fall in love with each other before she was free or after? What do you think? Mm. Um, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and say that it was before because after is uh, creepy and yeah, I don't like that. That's what um, I hope. So I'm, gonna, so I'm so I'm going to say before I will say that you know if Kleeg is a man of means to be able to free Shmi Skywalker, then Qui Gon and Padme also should have been able to free Shmi Skywalker. Uh, just saying, uh, but you yeah. know that's not what Qui Gon was there for. Uh, but yeah, I think I think they were in. They fell in love and then uh, rescued her and then you know we. Uh, talked a little bit about kind of the allies there i see you know padme is becoming an ally to anakin and um i think as we get into the the broad scope of the uh, prequel trilogy i think we're meeting some more allies here but i don't think that they're necessarily allies at this uh moment here um owen and beru yeah that that's true they kind of show up um and are there they're iconic you know um but I guess, like, you can kind of see, like, Anakin's belly of the whale is losing his mom. And I guess you could say, like, maybe the meeting of the goddess for Anakin is, like, his mom and Padme, which is sort of weird. But, and women as temptress, it's, like, him and and Padme. So, those are Mm -hmm. kind of more of the Joseph Campbellian, uh, like, I guess, like, little crayons in the box, you know, it's, like, it's like they're both the hero's journey, but like I think like it's kind of like where maybe Chris Vogler's uh, it's kind of like a 12 set crayon kit, you know, but like if you have the Joseph Campbell one, it's more like 36, you know, it's like you have like all these different crayon colors to shade the story with, you know, so it's interesting. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And because Anakin's story is is a love story i you know you could almost make the case that kind of his innermost cave is really kind of any time from the time they step on that transports until you know kind of the geonosis arena when you know his love is finally confirmed like any part of that could probably be um anakin's innermost cave um but yeah i I still think that it's um 
kind of kind of Geonosis as um, where we're where we're going next before that confirmation of love uh, can happen. Yeah. Um. So the this kind of instance kind of reminds me of the Searchers and like what Anakin ends up doing isn't like heroic, you know. Um. So he he leaves from the Lars homestead. He tells Padme he's going to go find his mom who was. Uh, taken, uh, abducted by the Tusken Raiders. And uh, you kind of see Anakin on the speeder uh, with Duel of the Fates in the background. Um, and while that's happening, we do kind of see Obi-Wan on Geonosis. Like, the interiors on Geonosis, I'm like, this kind of reminds me of Barcelona, even though I've never been mm-hmm. to Barcelona. Like, I want mm-hmm, to go mm-hmm. there. Um, and Obi-Wan kind of hears their plan. And do you know what I think Obi-Wan should have done? He should have just gotten in his ship, started leaving, and called the Jedi while he was on the ship. But I guess he didn't think about that. That's right, yeah. Don't don't text and drive, but Obi-Wan could have, yeah, definitely gotten in his ship and and flown back. He could have, yeah, he could have uh, made contact there. Yeah, because what what was Obi-Wan going to do? They're like... 10 million of these people yeah get out get out of there obi-wan you're you're gonna get yourself caught and that is that is exactly what happens but yeah i think you know choice choices were made they were bad choices and they uh lead us i think into uh you know <laughs> into the into the ordeal for for our characters here yeah so anakin leaps uh down into the tuscan camp uh and that moment kind of reminds me of gustav dory's like uh engravings you know like in paradise lost and paradise regained mm-hmm. and stuff like he's kind of like a fallen angel but we see shimmy die in anakin's arms um and we can hear a little bit of qui-gon trying to be like anakin anakin no but uh anakin ends up killing them all and rest in peace like anakin shouldn't have done that uh which is sad mm-hmm yeah, it's interesting because you get that uh, that kind of uh, Qui-Gon line there, but the way that the transition works is you don't know if Anakin is hearing that or if Yoda is hearing that, you know, as he's disturbing or as he's sensing kind of this uh, disturbance in the Force. So it's a little ambiguous there as to who Qui-Gon is actually saying that to or, you know, if anyone. Um, so, yeah, so yeah. That, that's, that's, a, that's pretty interesting uh, there to think about, you know, whether, you know, at least in, in the films that we're seeing, you know, if Qui-Gon had any, um, you know, continual influence over Anakin's behaviors or was privy to what was happening. Yeah. Rewatching uh, the film from the Hero's Journey lens, I kind of saw that Yoda is much more present than I thought. Um, so so that's interesting. Um, uh, and then it's kind of like Anakin only really had his mother when he was a child, like he was a slave. Uh, they were both slaves. Um, and then, like, we kind of talked about this, but when he leaves Tatooine, he kind of imprints on Padme, uh, who's kind of, like, a little bit, like, a female who's older than him. And then when Shimi dies, like, kind of seems like his idealization of Padme kind of turns more into an obsession. Like, uh in revenge of the sith like he will not let her die kind of like in all caps you know like Mm -hmm. that's gonna turn out well i think so yeah yeah and he tells her 
basically as much at the, you know, Lars Homestead there where he's going through his, you know, his lines about, uh, you know, he was always, you know, good at th- fixing things and, and that was simpler and, you know, that he would never, you know, never let anything like that ever happen again. So definitely some more foreshadowing here for, for what we're going to get, you know, as we carry on the story of Anakin Skywalker uh, throughout the saga. But, but yeah, definitely, definitely is kind of imprinted on her. And I think that, you know, as, as much as he was, you know, in love and infatuated with Padme, like it, it basically gets dialed up to 11 here at this point for him. Um, you know, even though they had just, you know, kind of in the previous scene had decided that they were not going to be together, right? It was, it was forbidden. They just would, they would just not be in love. Simple as that. But, um, I think that that kind of flipped the switch and Anakin and apparently it flipped the switch in Padme too, as we get to Geonosis and she declares her love. So, yeah. So, the ordeal, I saw it as Obi-Wan is captured on Geonosis, like, by uh, the evil confederacy of independent systems. Um, and uh, Anakin's mom dies is, like, his Anakin's midnight of the soul. So, yeah, the ordeal is the hero faces the greatest challenge yet and experiences death and rebirth. And Anakin kind of, like, the, the good or the better version of Anakin Skywalker kind of dies and is uh, when he kind of kills the Tusken Raiders and he's kind of reborn as like, kind of like pre Darth Vader, but not yet. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's definitely fair. That is uh, kind of a very dark place. And yeah, you could definitely, definitely see that as being kind of the greatest uh, challenge to Anakin. Um and I'm I'm kind of rethinking that because I have my ordeal actually for both Anakin and Obi Wan um, is when they're captured on Geonosis. Obviously, Obi Wan is captured and we see him in prison there and uh, speaking with uh, Count Dooku. Um, Anakin, you know, captured in the in the droid factory after losing his lightsaber, gets cut in half again. Obi Wan is going to be uh, not very happy about that. Um, you know, captured and also sentenced to death. So I saw the ordeal for Anakin and Obi Wan as being sentenced to death. Um, in Geonosis. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I, I just don't see quite like uh, Anakin and uh, Obi-Wan's kind of like journeys quite like as that, but it, it's always fun to like kind of like go through this and kind of see where we differ, where we are similar. So there's no one right way to star wars you know like it's all it's all fun yeah so back on coruscant palpatine kind of manipulates jar jar to be like oh if only senator amidala were here if only someone would do what needs to be done you know um uh, but that was, that was an amazing yeah. that was an amazing uh, impression of palpatine i like that so much i should have done more Ugh. that's the one thing i'm i'm kind of sad about like if there were an actual The Hero's Journey podcast episodes on the prequels, I think they would, like, do really good Hayden Christensen and uh, Ewan McGregor impressions. So, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll have to step it up. But, yeah, like, what I kind of saw as the reward for Obi-Wan is he learns the Senate is controlled um, by a Darth Sidious. Um like when Obi-Wan and Count Dooku uh, kind of meet and Obi-Wan is like 
imprisoned and Count Dooku talks to him and he invokes Qui-Gon Jinn. Um, it's, what did you think? So the reward is the hero experiences, the consequences of surviving death. Um, and I think that that is why I saw kind of the innermost cave for Anakin as Geonosis and the ordeal as being captured and sentenced to death. Because I think that the reward for Anakin right here in this section is that he gets that acknowledgement of love from Padme, which I don't think happens if they don't go to Geonosis. Um, right? Because she's basically feels comfortable and confident in doing it because they're about to die right i don't know that she ever gets there maybe um if they're not put in that position so i think that that's maybe why i kind of see that and that his his reward he gets you know that acknowledgement of love they share that kiss there on that little cart which is a beautiful striking shot going out of the tunnel there so um, good. and then and then for obi-wan uh his reward is he basically is gaining that knowledge from dooku right who would have had him you know, captured and, you know, gets this knowledge of this kind of Sith uh, puppet master who's in control of the Senate, Darth Sidious. So those are kind of the rewards. And that was why I had seen the innermost cave and the ordeal, you know, for Anakin as, you know, being on Geonosis, because I think that they really propelled that section of his journey of love. Because I don't think that that happens, like I said, if they don't go to Geonosis. That is true. Um, yeah, so like Mason the Jedi... Some of them head out to uh, help Obi-Wan. And then Yoda goes to Kamino. Um, and if you look at the timeline, I'm kind of like, does he have time enough to go there, go to Geonosis with clones? But, like, it's a movie. I shouldn't, like, be, like, <laughs> too analytical, I think. But I did kind of feel like the droid factory scenes where Anakin and Padme are separated were a little unnecessary, uh, but maybe it adds to the levity uh, that maybe Attack of the Clones needed, but it kind of pads the, the runtime a little bit up. But I guess we needed to develop the true relationship of Star Wars, which is, what do you think it is? <laughs> uh, C-3PO and R2-D2, of course. Oh, um, you're mine. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so Jedi are forbidden of attachment or of possessions, but apparently uh, Anakin's going to take C-3PO with him when he leaves Tatooine. So, uh, so that's so that's good. He made you know, him. Have to get him, was, have to get him into the Jedi, room. so it doesn't count. So doesn't count. Has to has to get him into the rest of the saga. Yeah, and it's it's kind of this zany little cartoony uh, sketch sort of section, but you know it's it's fun enough, and it shows off some some good lightsaber skills. It shows um, you know kind of the droids there. It shows R two you know flying through, saving Padme's life, uh, which is pretty good. So um, I'm all for you know any sort of droid action that we get. So yeah, I'm all for that. And and then you know ends up with them with them being captured right with uh, no lightsaber uh, in hand and. Uh, bad news. Yeah, we mentioned it before. What was Obi Wan thinking? There's like ten thousand of these Geonosians. Was he gonna fight them all? I don't think so. And yeah. Yeah, as far as the timeline goes, it's gonna take a while, you know, to get the to get the beasts and to get the the pillars set up, you know, for this uh, sacrifice and you know all the people into this uh, Roman Colosseum looking thing. So uh, you know, it's gonna it's gonna take some time. Yoda has plenty of time. I guess you're right. Like, um, <laughs> I just wanted to mention um, maybe. Should I mention this? I don't know. Like, uh, just maybe it'll ruin the the droid factory thing. But if you listen to the music, I think you can kind of tell, like, the the droid factory stuff was kind of, like, added in the last minute. Like, I think George Lucas was like, that droid factory, like, uh, concept art looks amazing. Let's 
add it to the movie, you know? And mm-hmm. like, they're like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. So they do some reshoots and it's all green screen. There are gifts of like Natalie Portman lost in green screen. Like, and like, I think in some of the bonus features, like she's like, this is a, this is a mean joke. <laughs> like <laughs> I have to imagine all of this. Um, and it, it yeah. would be hard, you know? And like, if you listen to the music, like, it's like, this is just another version of Yoda's Yoda's theme. You know, Yoda's mm-hmm. not here. Yoda's not present. So I think it's just kind of like, it's like, hey, John Williams, I know you're on vacation after finishing Attack, Attack of the Clones, but um, we need more music. And it's like, oh, crap. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's... um. Yeah, it kind of stands out, right? As this as this bonus section of the of the movie that you totally could have cut out, and you know the movie still would have made, uh, you know, perfect sense. But yeah, it's still fun and whimsical, and I think, um, I don't know, maybe maybe you just needed something like that, right? Because we had the dark dreariness of uh, Camino, and you had kind of this this love story, so we needed something to to rope the kids back in with, you know, C three PO getting his head knocked off and stuff. So yeah, so Obi Wan is carted off for death uh in the arena and then uh luckily he doesn't have to die alone um because in the petranchi arena we see uh anakin and padme are going to be carted off and uh like you mentioned like um it's a beautiful silhouette like it's kind of like anakin looks like a groom she looks like a bride like i love love you know and there was like a nice gladiator influence so um I kind of saw this as the end of act two, like the reward for Anakin and Padme is like, they won't die alone. Uh, and Anakin and Padme love each other. That's right. Love and love and love. Obi-Wan gets some knowledge. And then I think there's an external reward too. Uh, it's kind of the film as a whole and that we get the uh, clone army uh, coming in. So I think that that is a, a reward uh, for for the Jedi and kind of for the the overarching story of Attack of the Clones as we get the get the clone army here to come into action. So, okay, so uh, that's the end of Act Two, and we are not gonna miss our our bevy break. So we're gonna take a quick break and uh, have our mocktail and cocktail, and uh, we'll be back soon. Go and find her. Where are you going, Master? For a drink. All right, and now that we've reached the end of Act 2, it is time for our bevy break. Uh, so Cassia, you know, Attack of the Clones, it's you watch it and there's there's a lot going on and you're going to need some good refreshments along the way to help you on your journeys you know there's love there's mystery there's intrigue there's uh giant battles there's uh sonic charges going off in space uh all sorts of things so what do you need to do to stay hydrated is you need a cocktail or a mocktail so cassia what kind of mocktail did you bring for attack of the clones today so i have i called it i don't like sand um, it kind of reminds me of dash, dash, dash on the beach, like, uh, mm. just so we don't get raided E, you it's, know, but, um, so it is. gets everywhere. <laughs> Hate it. Yeah, but, um, so it is lemonade with, uh, some raspberry puree on the bottom, mm-hmm. and then it has coconut creamer on top, so I was very inspired by, uh, you know, like Padme's dress, like, 
it's the one everyone thinks of, I think, like in Attack of the Clones, like when uh, they kiss for the first time, it's it's a gorgeous dress. I wanted to kind of like uh, m- memorialize that iconic moment, you know, so it tastes sweet, maybe a little too sweet, but it looks beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds really good. I like the uh, the puree and the lemonade. I bet that that would be very excellent, uh, very excellent kind of summery drink. And uh, yeah, I hate sand too, uh, just like Anakin does. So for sure. So that is a really excellent mocktail. Um, I'm going the cocktail route uh, for mine, uh, Cassia, because you know why? It's because even Obi Wan needs a cocktail mm-hmm. in in the movie, right? Attack of the Clones, right? They go into that bar. Uh, Obi Wan says, Anakin, you go find uh, Zam Wessel. You go find that changeling i'm going for a drink uh and you know obi-wan goes into the bar and grabs himself a drink and who could blame him really you know anakin's piloting pretty crazy loses his lightsaber again uh you know crash land and all that stuff so obi-wan definitely needs a drink and in the movie we don't i don't know i looked a bunch of places to see if i could figure out what exactly he's drinking uh in that i couldn't find like i couldn't find a name for it or anything but it's blue it's like crystal clear um it looked pretty good it was in this little like beaker uh kind of cup looking thing so i decided i was going to make myself a crystal clear blue martini uh because i think that's probably what what obi-wan was having he needed a stiff drink he's like yeah you know help me help me yoda help me the force because i'm dealing with this kid uh his uh, hormones are raging i'm, <laughs> I'm tired of, tired of dealing with this guy so he's having one of these um it is uh, going to be two ounces of gin uh three quarters of an ounce of blue curacao then a quarter ounce of lemon and a quarter ounce of peach schnapps. So it's just it's just a blue uh, martini. You can find these uh, online uh, several places with some varying levels of uh, ingredients there. But I like the the blue curacao, which is kind of an orange flavor, and then the peach flavor. It, go, it goes together really well, and I think that this would have been a nice little uh, refreshing uh, cocktail for Obi Wan to be having in the bar. You know, it doesn't doesn't want any dust sticks, but does need a cocktail. Yeah, no one needs death sticks, I guess, but. Um... Yeah, that, that sounds pretty cool. Um, and uh, we'll post uh, those pictures on the Discord. And uh, yeah, so are we ready for this uh, third act? Absolutely, yeah. I've got my I've got my uh, Obi Wan's uh, cocktail there from uh, Coruscant. Coruscant cooler. Let's call it that. I've got my Coruscant Ooh, cooler. You've got your. That's alliterative. You've... You've got your, uh, uh, what is it called? I hate sand. I don't sand. like sand. I don't so. like sand. I don't like sand. So grab that and let's get back to, uh, to act three. We got to wrap up this story for our heroes. Yeah. So the road back, the hero returns to the ordinary world or continues to an ultimate destination. We are concluding or we're continuing towards an ultimate destination. So I kind of saw it as their, the trio is back together, uh, Anakin, Padme, and Obi-Wan, and they are facing creatures after they are reunited, and each of them gets a different one, and they, they, they all kind of handle them differently. Okay. Yeah, that's that's fair. I think, um, I think the road back here for our heroes... Um, you know, traveling to kind of this ultimate destination. I think that, yeah, it definitely begins there in kind of that arena as they as they get free. And then, you know, Obi-Wan and Anakin are, are given lightsabers. Uh, so they're basically back to being uh, full-fledged Jedi kind of at that point. Um, you know, Padme has taken things into her own hands, has a blaster she's blasting away. And I think that the actual road for... Um, for me, then, is when they, you know, climb aboard that ship and they are off in hot pursuit of Count Dooku. And I think that it's really grounding for Anakin kind of in the sense because I, I 
I think it's a little less for Obi-Wan because, like I mentioned, he doesn't go quite on the same sort of arc of a character journey. Um, but Padme falls out of the ship um, or gets you know, gets knocked out of the ship. Um, and Anakin wants to go save her. And, and Obi-Wan, you know, splashes cold water in his face and says, mm-hmm. uh, you have to focus. You have to, you know, <laughs> we're, we're on the road back right now. Um, you know, what would Padme do in this situation? And, and I think that that kind of grounds him uh, mm-hmm. back into his ordinary world of being, you know, Obi-Wan's Padawan. Yeah, and yeah, like Anakin and Padme love each other, but I think like, I mean, like Padme is older and wiser and a little bit more mentally healthy, I think, Um, but I think she loves Anakin, um, but she's able to kind of separate like the needs of one with the needs of the many, you know, and you know, like, love doesn't make people perfect, you know, like, people make mistakes, but, uh, I don't know, Anakin and Padme do love each other, and in that moment, we get to see Anakin, uh, kind of be a little bit more mature than he probably otherwise would have been. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So, um, I kind of saw the resurrection, um, uh, I mean, we do see the Jedi, the initial Jedi come, and we see a fight in the arena, uh, but uh, they're just outnumbered with, like, all of these battle droids, you know? Uh, so the resurrection is the hero experiences a final moment of death and rebirth, so they are pure when they re-enter the ordinary world. Um, I kind of saw that as the clones uh, coming with Yoda to uh, save the day. Okay. Yeah, I can definitely see that as kind of, you know, kind of, kind of cleansing, I guess, kind of, kind of like a, a weird, like metaphorical, like kind of, kind of baptism, right? As there's this, you know, raining down these uh, clones into the, into the facility. So I, I definitely could kind of, kind of see something like that. Um, and I, I mentioned it earlier, you know, they kind of get the, the lightsabers back. So that kind of is uh, kind of like a moment of rebirth, I guess, for Anakin and Obi-Wan to become, uh, you know, Jedi again. Um, but for me, the resurrection, which is, you know, the hero experiences a final moment of death and rebirth. So they are pure when they reenter the ordinary world. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm kind of changing my mind. Maybe, I, maybe I do think that it's in the battle arena, but I had here, um, that it was, you know, kind of that final confrontation with, uh, Count Dooku, whereas mm-hmm. Anakin, you know, gets, you know, struck down gets his arm uh cut off obi-wan you know gets uh, gets struck down um and there's you know laying helpless on the floor and you know yoda has to come in and and save them um you know basically you know re- rebirthing them back into um you know the the characters that we're going to see going into the clone wars so that was kind of what i saw as the resurrection it was just a little bit further down the road uh, once they're confronting uh count dooku as kind of that final uh final kind of you know closest to death that our our characters get here yeah yeah it, sometimes it's hard to like i don't know it's like maybe like long instances and scenes can be like steps of the hero's journey rather than like one thing um mm-hmm. I guess I, I kind of fear more on the precise side of things, but sometimes I'm just like, eh, for these 40 minutes, they're, they're this step. But, um, yeah, like, the Clone Wars, uh, Attack of the Clones is a long movie, and, like, there's a lot going on. I pity the people, like, who for some reason just don't like this film, you know? Um, 
But yeah. do you want to hear something that like could have made this film even more crazy? What would that be? Order sixty six almost happened in this film. Ooh, that would have that would have been a lot going on. Yeah, <laughs> uh, scenes were filmed. Uh, like, can you imagine though, like, what Star Wars would look like if that had happened? Like, I just it boggles the mind. But they're like, just in case, like Ben Burt, I believe, was the. Uh, second unit director or assistant director or whatever some kind of director and he Mm -hmm. filmed the clones killing some of the jedi generals and it's like wow and that's what attack of the clones was going to be was order 66 but i'm so glad that it didn't happen then uh because then it gives us uh the clone wars you know like we got the comics the tv show we got ahsoka you know so yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, that would have been that would have been really, really rushed, right? And I mean, the Clone Wars uh, getting straying a little bit away from Attack of the Clones here, but is you know kind of born out of that line from from A New Hope. So yeah, so to have it basically you know, start and end <laughs> in the same film would have would have been pretty crazy. That would have been that would have been a lot of stuff to pack in. Uh, Anakin would have even had to have you know put his foot on the gas a little bit a little bit uh, harder to get uh, Padme to fall in love with him. So quick. yeah. Originally, there were some treatments that Anakin and Padme could have been married in episode two, like in the middle, and conceived Mm. Luke and Leia in the halfway point of the script, and then Anakin would have turned to the dark side and left Padme in Attack of the Clones. It could have been so much more overstuffed. Um, (laughs) I'm just like, it boggles my mind, and I'm so glad, like, we didn't get, like, three Thanksgivings all at once, so. Yeah. That would have been bananas for sure, uh, yeah. for sure. But yeah, I I do I do like um, thinking of the resurrection is when they get the get the lightsabers back because that you know kind of you know like I said brings them back whole to being uh, to being Jedi again after if you know losing their you know having yeah. the lightsaber destroyed and having it taken away. But, but yeah, I see I see the resurrection here kind of as that final moment of death is um, Count Dooku right there basically there laying on the ground ready to be struck down and then uh, you know Yoda comes in as uh, kind of the savior character for for our heroes to uh, get them get them back into their ordinary world. Yeah, it kind of seems like Count Dooku and Obi Wan and Anna can fight maybe a little bit just to have like a grand. Um lightsaber fight but what is interesting is like how obi-wan and anakin fight dooku right now is like how they fight against the dark side like anakin rushes into it and fails and obi-wan like uh he uh is a little bit more uh composed he he isn't killed by it but like he just can't defeat dooku but like then Yoda comes in, and you just kind of see these two masters of the Force, um, and Count Dooku gets away, um, but uh, Anakin and Obi Wan survived, and I think like Padme pretty much like kisses Anakin in front of like Yoda <laughs> and Obi Wan. And they're just looking away, and it's a very secret relationship. So there's there's nothing to see here. Yeah, there's there's clones around. She rushes in. Uh, 
yeah, she's like she like took over as like general of the clone army. You know, as soon as she she falls out of that, they come they come get her, and then she's like, all right, I'm I'm in charge again. So so I like that very take charge, uh, Padme, um, I believe. But yeah, this this is all secret secret love secret love affair, uh, uh-huh. going on because uh, next next step I think is for our characters uh, to go off and get married. Yeah. So return with the elixir. The hero returns with something to improve the ordinary world and oh boy does Anakin and Padme's marriage like improve the ordinary world for the galaxy um but <laughs> yeah they they get married um that's what I put for step 12 and then Obi-Wan and the Jedi have an army of clones to lead like begun the Clone Wars has but we we get a lot of hints like maybe this isn't a good thing the the clone mm-hmm. army they kind of just First of all, it's a war. It's an it's an army. Like Anakin, kind of sounds like a little bit like he's advocating for dictatorship, and like that's probably coming from uh, Palpatine's mentorship of him. And uh, the clones and Yoda arrive in helicopters, which kind kind of brings to mind like Vietnam, you know. Um, so it's like a lot of like historical patterns kind of repeating themselves in in the story. Yeah, for sure. And it definitely, you know, kind of kind of foreshadows that obviously this isn't, you know, even even with the wedding, it's still not necessarily a happy ending is, you know, the the colors are very, you know, dark kind of on the, you know, the clone armies and stuff as they're going and these uh, Star Destroyer things are taking off and the Imperial part March is playing. Right. It's uh, it's very much a, a sign of these are troubled times. Uh, for the galaxy and for our heroes but yeah i had the return of the elixir obviously is anakin who is who is married now right that is his uh that was his ultimate goal um kind of his journey on this was to uh fall in love with padme and um you know be uh be with her and that's that's what's happening there you see uh them you know her taking his new uh cyborg hand which is kind of uh foreshadowing as yeah. well we'll see and then you know obi-wan is returning you know with, with the clones obviously but i think uh the his elixir was i guess you know the knowledge of um you know this uh darth sidious that is uh leading the the senate even though the the jedi don't really really uh believe him fully or at least they they don't seem to be that intent on acting upon any of that here at this moment so um, yeah yeah they both they both get our they both get their you know kind of just reward for uh the story that was was told but you know it unfortunately you know being the darker middle chapter of this trilogy it doesn't doesn't really lead to any sort of fruition to the uh, greater galaxy yeah and like you say anakin and padme are marriaged across the stars plays a great song but um, before the credits, we kind of don't really hear how the song concludes, like if it's major or minor before the credits mm-hmm. roll. So it's like, this could end badly and, uh, you know, Revenge of the Sith happens. But I think who's happiest at the end of this is uh, the Emperor. It's going as he had planned and Count Dooku says the boy has begun. So uh, he's kind of like initiated into darkness mm-hmm yep yeah absolutely you have that kind of that closing scene there before you get the, the little snippets of the wedding and the the clone troopers we get uh count dooku there uh talking to sidious and yeah basically saying that's okay your your plan is is afoot so yeah yeah the, re- the real the real victor here the real uh the real elixir i guess is for 
uh, Darsidius, you know, Palpatine to uh, have his plan in motion. Yeah, so that was Attack of the Clones from a Hero's Journey perspective. Uh, and it was so much fun. And I, I can't wait to tackle Revenge of the Sith, even though I feel like I'm unworthy, you know, to, to cover <laughs> it. I love it so much. So, uh, come, on, yeah. come on now if, you, if you're uh, if you're worthy to talk about attack of the clones definitely worthy to talk about uh revenge of the sith so uh okay. before we sign off i just wanted to um you'd said cassie i think at the top you mentioned it or you've at least told me a couple of times that this yeah. is probably your most watched star mm-hmm. wars film so um just just before we sign off do we want to each kind of go through just our our history with this film you know when we saw it you know kind of the first time and and you know what we thought about it then and how it's uh, continued to be full of uh, love i guess i don't know uh, yeah, so yeah, that that reminds me. There's also a mini game we're gonna we're gonna just do briefly. But um, mm-hmm. uh, like Attack of the Clones, I was in grade school when this baby came out, and uh, I was kind of like not allowed to see like the Lord of the Rings when it first came out. Uh, not for a while too, um, but. I just love Star Wars so much, like, and everyone's kind of like, oh, Phantom Menace is stupid, you know, like, when Attack of the Clones came out, like, not a, it didn't get, it didn't get a lot of love, but I was just like, I remember, like, for a giveaway at school, like, I got a Sam Wessel uh, puzzle (laughs) and a Mace Windu puzzle. Uh, Nice. Yeah, so... DVDs were easier to use. I didn't have the uh, Phantom Menace DVD, so it was just easier to play, you know, uh, Attack of the Clones. And, like, I loved the love story, and I I thought it was awesome. And, uh, you know, like, I do think, like, Hayden Christensen and uh, Natalie Portman are are good actors and actresses, you know, but um, I just think, like... uh, Maybe um, what George Lucas was going for just wasn't, like, kind of, like, contemporary to, uh, like, what they had maybe been taught and usually acted as. So, like, it's just a very, you know, kind of, like, courtly love uh, uh, mm-hmm. noir kind of uh, type of love affair. Like, uh and like some of the lines are, are kind of hard to say, but I do love the beats of that love story. And, but like as a kid, it, like I, I wasn't really processing that. I just loved it and thought it was really cool. And I also really watched the first two Harry Potters over and over again too. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so for me, this is probably my, <laughs> it's one of my more least watched, I guess, of the Star Wars films and not really, you know, any, any particular reason other than this came out when I was in college. So I didn't yeah. have, I guess maybe the free time to have seen it as much as I would have seen other things. So I, I might've mentioned it in our Phantom Menace episode. I think I saw that in the theaters seven or eight times. Um, I saw Revenge of the Sith, which came out, you know, after I graduated from the year after I graduated from college, um, you know, four or five times in the theater. But this one, I think, cause I was in college and you know, kind of in the thick of it, I would have been, uh, like a sophomore in college. Um, then so I think I saw it once at the theater I actually still have my my ticket stub but like I never I wasn't into this one as much like I don't have any merchandise really from Attack of the Clones where I have a ton of stuff from Phantom Menace and um 
Revenge of the Sith. So I think it was it just hit like at a weird time in my life where I wasn't like like ready for it or able to to fully devote myself to it. You know, not like not like Anakin. He was ready to fully devote himself to it. Um, oh, he did. But I was I wasn't I wasn't myself. So so therefore it just kind of you know was kind of behind I guess from the other Star Wars films. You know, kind of from the get go. But you know, over the years I've really you know enjoyed it and you know kind of as as cheesy and nonsensical as as the stuff is i i really like it and i really like the story of attack of the clones in the scheme of star wars especially if you're looking kind of at this you know first prequel chapter and how it really sets up you know the clone wars and and things which is you know on on one hand you know really beneficial to to these stories that it has you know all this extra supplemental materials and maybe that's that's kind of a negative that it you know took seven years of clone wars to you know get that story fleshed out a little bit but yeah it's it's a lot of fun and i've always liked attack of the clones uh pretty good so yeah and wow this is maybe gonna be like one of our longest episodes uh like almost two hours but um we just love attack of the clones so much like maybe you could even watch this uh maybe it's a little bit longer than attack of the clones itself but um uh, one little mini game before we go is uh, we're calling it I Love Love Mini Game Courtly Love Edition. Um, so these are the steps of courtly love um, adapted from Barbara uh, W. Tuckman. Um, so I'm just going to say the step and you're going to identify where you think it took place. And then when you're done, I'll just kind of go through it. Um, are you ready for that? Oh, Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Attraction to the lady, usually via eyes or a glance. Okay, um, so if I'm if I'm just looking at Attack of the Clones, I think maybe that happens at the end of the Phantom Menace, right? When they're at the at the parade and Anakin's already giving her looks, little you know, little can Anakin, but uh, definitely definitely that very definitely that very first line, right? When she says, mm-hmm. uh, "Annie, you've you've grown," and he's like, "Well, you've grown more beautiful." I mean, you know, for a senator, I mean, so definitely definitely that uh, definitely that first uh, devotion of attraction, not an eye glance. You know, Anakin is too smooth for that. He goes full out. Yeah. Uh, worship of the lady from afar. Uh, that that one is trickier. I think um, I I think it's probably going to be in the uh, elevator there, Anakin and Obi Wan, and I think Anakin says something along the lines of, you know, he's thought about her like every day or something like that. Yep. <laughs> since they've since they've been apart, so worship from afar, check. Yeah, declaration of passionate devotion. Oh, I I think it's going to be it's. I don't, I don't know if it's it's not a declaration maybe these are these are kind of flipped because this is definitely a glance he is some of them he are is out like of staring order. he is staring into her soul they're getting ready to get on that uh that ship and uh he he is staring her down he's he's giving her that look like uh i'm in love with you uh real bad lady yeah <laughs> uh, sometimes i'm like D- did panic or did padme want a panic button uh, <laughs> um, I do like the name Panikin. Panikin, uh, that is kind of funny. That's not the ship name. Uh, I think it's anime, but uh, yeah, just kidding. It's Anadala. But um, <laughs> let's see. Virtuous rejection by the lady. Uh, it's right after he gives her that look, and she says, uh, "Stop looking at me like that. It's uh, it's creepy." No, what does she say? <laughs> she says, "She says, don't look at me like that. Um, it makes me uncomfortable. Uh, I feel like that is a pretty virtuous rejection." Yeah, and then renewed wooing with oaths of virtue and eternal fealty. Uh, I think that's that uh, very classy line 
that we get then from Anakin as, you know, he's saying that, you know, Jedi are, you know, encouraged to love um, from a certain point of view. Yeah. And then moans of approaching death from unsatisfied desire and other physical manifestations of lovesickness. Uh, that I think for sure is the, that kind of, uh, that kiss that happens. That's, uh, the, the love almost sparks to a fire there, but, uh, Padme rejects it, right? Uh, can't do this. Uh, we're going to have to agree, uh, to not be in love. Yeah. Then heroic deeds of valor, which win the lady's heart. Um, I think that the heroic deed of valor here is probably the Geonosis arena. Um, especially when you know he, he kind of rides up uh and you know she jumps down onto the back of i'm never going to remember the name of that creature uh please forgive me down in the comments don't uh don't uh, take me out too hard um but yeah i think i think when he kind of rides up as a uh knight in shining armor so to speak and rescues her from the uh, geonosis battle arena yeah and then consummation of the secret love uh it's got to be uh it's got to be the the wedding i suppose right that's that's kind of the consummation we get i guess you get the kiss kind of before that's that's kind yeah. of like the consummation of love um so I, I guess you could say that but i think probably um ultimately it's the the wedding yeah and then endless adventures and subterfuges subterfuges avoiding detection well you're going to have to wait for seasons one through seven of the clone wars if you yeah. want that yeah Oh, very good. Uh, that was fun. But I guess for me, attraction to the lady, usually via eyes or a glance, like, I guess you could even, like, go back to Are You an Angel, you know? But, like, mm -hmm. at the very beginning, like, Padme, or, I mean, Anakin has no chill. He's just like, Padme, you've grown beautiful <laughs> in front of everyone. And it's just like, even now, I have, like, third degree burns from the secondhand embarrassment um and then one thing i did love from the kenobi series is we kind of don't know where this is happening in the timeline uh when uh anakin and obi-wan are fighting on coruscant but uh you kind of see anakin is looking at uh padme's like uh apartment tower uh i have a feeling mm -hmm. he would know where she is even if they're not seeing each other like Palpatine's in his life probably telling him like in case you want to keep tabs like that's it you know but I kind of right. liked it because it's like he's looking up at her tower like a knight you know mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. uh, declaration of passionate devotion when is when is he not you know um, <laughs> all the time and then I remember your joke notes it's like Anakin she's not that into you uh she's suddenly into you now uh virtuous rejection by the lady it's probably like every step until uh she's like i truly deeply love you uh <laughs> but i kind of right. saw yeah i saw the renewed wooing with oaths of virtue and eternal fealty kind of like as like uh after the kiss like the fireside talk he's like i'm willing to keep the secret if you are and uh, moans of approaching death from phys from unsatisfied desire and other physical manifestations of lovesickness, like just like him saying, like this is gonna become a scar, like I can't do it, you know, like kind of by the fireside chat. Um, then heroic deeds of valor, which win the lady's heart, like 
he he's he's trying to impress her the whole movie like he's like i'm gonna find who did this to you i'm gonna save your life i'm gonna kill these bugs uh i'm gonna mm-hmm. give you a pair through the force um i'm gonna ride up on this uh, little rhino thing and save you so yeah. that's right absolutely consummation of the secret love i kind of saw that as like they admit they love each other on geonosis and then they later marry and then yeah like you said like clone wars uh seasons one through seven like their secret relationship endless adventures and subterfuges avoiding detection so yeah 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 absolutely so um it'll be interesting when we get to revenge of the sith maybe we'll have to go through this list again and see if it if it goes if it goes backwards if there's like a downward version of this i don't know we'll see yeah a breakup of courtly love like she died of sadness maybe that's a maybe that's a a step but yeah and did you kind of see any of the joseph campbell's hero's journey steps like uh that we didn't mention already in the episode no i think we kind of highlighted on on most of the the steps that are they're not really in addition to uh the kind of this writer's journey step or steps that we have from uh christopher vogler so i think we we kind of addressed some of that stuff but um yeah what about you was there anything specific that you thought that we kind of glossed over or wanted to bring up oh we did we did mention kind of the magic flight uh in the asteroid field the meeting with the goddesses, I think, like Anakin with his mom and Padme. Women is temptress. Uh, Anakin really, really wants to get with Padme. And I guess you could kind of, like, see a little bit of an atonement with the father. Uh, with, like, Obi-Wan meeting his grandfather in the Force uh, with mm-hmm. Count mm-hmm. Dooku. But, yeah, so I think that is it. You know, like two-hour episode can never be enough that's right there's never enough uh, time in the day to talk about attack of the clones and there's there's never enough time in the day to talk about the hero's journey uh you know two of our favorite things to talk about here on the old republic podcast so uh yeah, yeah that was the hero's journey for attack of the clones uh hopefully you and in- have enjoyed these so far we're going to be doing uh the same kind of treatment for revenge of the sith and then we're going to do an episode where we look at the prequels episodes one two and three kind of as a whole and lay out the hero's journey uh timeline for that and then you know uh, carry on to the original trilogy sequel trilogy so we have a lot of uh hero's journeying to talk about i think yeah we have like four years worth of, of content so don't worry but yeah so i guess today we talk so much attack of the clones so we might need to like i don't know take a nap or or do something but um it was fun so may the force be with you may the force be with you the older public podcast can be found on spotify apple podcasts google podcasts youtube as well as everywhere else that anchor podcasts are distributed subscriptions reviews and shares help us out and if you want to connect with the podcast on Twitter, we can be found at Old Republic Pod. And if you want to connect with me, I can be found on Instagram at Astro underscore Droid underscore. You can find us on Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Old Republic Podcast. Our intro and outro themes were composed by Dennis S. Mowers at Dennis S. Mowers 
This episode of the Old Republic podcast has been brought to you by Nikki Dog from Patreon. May the force be with you. We will be back soon. Bye for now.